Hi, it's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com and .au. And I'm really pleased today to introduce you all to Alison. So welcome to the call, Alison. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Joey. Good to be here. Yeah, it's a real treat for me. Alison and I have been working together over the last, I think, roughly six months. Yeah, and sure. yeah, Alison came with a diagnosis of many years. And I really wanted Alison to share through some of her healing and recovery journey because I feel like there'll be a lot of people out there listening to all of the Seeking Balance podcast or YouTube interviews who have experience with potentially a diagnosis of many years, certainly vertigo and tinnitus, but also this idea of, of exploring rigid diets and you know trying everything possible to heal. And even, I think, the conversation of, of trying to hide symptoms so that people don't really know what you're going through and you're kind of to a certain extent, toughen up to get on with life. And I felt like, Alison, you've had a really beautiful healing and recovery journey. And I'm curious, but what does, what does having many years, what did it mean to you when you first got that diagnosis? Was it clear or was it confusing? How did it feel way back a um, few years ago? Yeah, it's, it, it wasn't, you're right, it wasn't clear to me what it was. And I kept, in fact, I always kept forgetting the name of it because it, oh. just, because it seemed, didn't, touch on me at all I felt it was I didn't know quite what it was but but the most obvious thing was that I was getting um vertigo attacks which were really I mean they went for 24 hours at a go um they were very scary they, they sort of they mimicked the the original attack that I had um beforehand which was up in uh, Kakadu mm. um so having spent uh, like a week trying to get free of it up in uh, Darwin uh, we got you know, got back to Melbourne, and that's when I started looking for people to tell me what you know what's going on, because I just kept having this. Um, the symptoms were yeah, but the symptoms were scary. I can't think of any other particular yeah. words because then they would happen just out of the blue, yeah. And and then the vertigo would go on for hours and hours and hours and hours, and say eventually about about a twenty four hour total. And can I ask? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's an awful experience. And can yeah. I ask, because everybody is so different, honestly, you could have a thousand people in the room with the same diagnosis and they would all describe it differently. Yeah. For you, was it a spinning vertigo or a rocking or like being on a boat? or no, how spinning. Would, spinning. It was a spinning. And yeah. if you opened your eyes, could you see the world spinning? Yes. So I'd then just shut them again very quickly. So I didn't yeah. have to look. So, that is very characteristic of Meniere's disease. And so those of you listening, you're probably experiencing intermittent spinning vertigo attacks on and off. Yeah. And often they last for a minimum of 20 minutes, if not up to hours. And as Alison said, you can have a bit of a hangover effect where it's like you feel like you've had a big night or something and you've got to really sleep it off. And it's quite exhausting. And I think that's because the fluids in the ears are changing and having to repair themselves and your eyes are going crazy all over the place. It's very mechanical. And so there is a bit of a hangover effect, which unfortunately we have to be patient with, don't we, Alison? Yes. To let the body resolve. Yeah. So you were on a holiday, was it, in the Northern Territory when it just yeah. suddenly came on? And so yeah. that would have been pretty traumatic, having to get to a country hospital. Oh, it was. It was terrible. Yeah. So... Um Sorry, go on. And, and then you eventually came back to Melbourne and then did you see an ear, nose and throat specialist or what yeah, was your... So went, yeah, so for the second half of the, the year, what I was going to different people to see, you know, to see what they could do for me, if you like. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, you get different. I had about three or four different doctors and so on just to have a look at what was happening to me. And, and really, I mean, they didn't know or they had their favourite suggestion about, you know, don't drink, don't drink coffee or something pretty mm-hmm. banal. And so you just felt there was nowhere to go. You didn't know how to, you know, mm. yeah, what to do next. How do you make it stop? Um, mm. And um, and I suppose, well, basically the, the first thing that, that I was able to stop from um, was a, a dietitian who came in to see me um, about two days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so she, came, she came to my house and she, you know, said, oh, what you need is... Um, now I forget. Low sodium, low salt. Yes, that's right. The low sodium diet um, thing, and she was going through explaining what was low sodium and how they worked it all out, what the right amount to have, and so on is. And so that was um, so I took on her advice, and that made just such a change. I can't tell you. It was like within within the first month, I, I basically had got onto this quite strict diet, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, the vertigo stopped happening. So it was. So I thought, well, this is obviously the cure, you know. That by not. How, how long did you get relief for? Do you remember? Um, well, what do you mean, like? How? Well, I know because the the diet worked temporarily, oh, or you felt yeah. like it gave you a new uh, yeah, well, on yeah. life. But how long did it last until it? Quite a few months without any vertigo attack at all. But in the interim. Um, my, mm-hmm. my daughter got married and so on, and so I was, you know, I was worrying that there were going to be attacks, mm-hmm. but there were none for about three or four months at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then they started back again, and they had no obvious connection with. Oh, of course, that's because I ate that yesterday. That they've happened today. So, yeah. so I knew they'd started for some other reason because there was just no connection between the diet and when the attacks happened or how they happened. And for people listening. These conditions, pretty much all vestibular conditions, but in particular vestibular migraine and many is, they are random and they can come and go. So you can have a great six months or a great two months or a great three months and then it will kick up again. Yeah. And it's very unlikely it is one major trigger. Often it's a plethora of things going on. And so looking at the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual aspects means looking a bit beyond salt in the diet and going well what else is going on and so when you first spoke with me Alison and we spoke about what are your goals what do you desire how do you want to feel and you said I'm worried I'm losing weight because I'm, I'm afraid to eat so many normal foods yeah. and you said um, socializing was difficult and I would really just love to be able to go out to a restaurant and eat normally and and feel confident and at ease in my body and so we thought all right well how can we how can we work with the healing process to bring back in yeah. normal eating? And there was that was a bit scary at first, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> because you because I'd gone without the vertigo for quite a while, but then they started back, but I couldn't tell why or anything. And so um, yeah, and I was losing weight as a result. It was pretty, yeah, so it was all. I thought this was all like it happening again, mm-hmm. um, and because I felt that the food was. Bent, was letting me down mm-hmm. um, and then it was you I remember very well you just saying, just go and have a proper meal I remember you sort of <laughs> exactly screaming at me but close to it um, and you said because it's obviously not the food anyway so why don't you go off and, and have a proper meal and just take get something you really love and etc so 
So I thought, all right, what have I got to lose? So, so I started eating normally again. And I can't, oh, I can't tell you, it was so exciting because I, I didn't get any attacks from it. I, mm -hmm. I started eating just normal food. And mm -hmm. I'm still, that's still the case now. That's sort of six months further on. And I, yeah, this, that's just normal food. And the minute you start eating normal food again and stop losing weight, then the world seems a lot different. <laughs> yeah. Before, I was just, yeah, like I felt, felt and feel like a normal person. And I think a lot of people listening could relate to this because sometimes we're, we're searching for hope and we're searching for that miracle cure or that miracle answer. And if we latch on to diet as being like, this diet will cure me, this diet will save me, it's actually starting to begin rigid thinking and we're starting to get very judgmental about what's good for us and what's bad for us and it can get us into a bit of a pickle because the headspace then can lead to anxiety and depression and isolation and loneliness because we're becoming quite fastidious about what we're putting into our bodies and it's not always nourishing us so it can be a little bit of an illusion or just a general misunderstanding and my personal perspective is it's absolutely healthy to try things, but have an open mind and try not to be rigid about it. And mm -hmm. I felt that was a real credit to you. And you can be very proud of yourself for letting yourself experiment with normal eating again. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it, it came back on that the, the vertigo events sort of just didn't happen as much. But when they did, I just felt that I now was in charge of this. Like I, mm. I knew what was going to happen. Okay, it's going to go for 24 hours and it's going to look like this and, and I'd sit on the bed with, or lie on the bed with the phone and you'd call Jeremy out from the, you know, from whatever room he was in to come or, you know, phone to him to come and see me if I, when I needed something or whatever. But it was just, I, I just knew that I was okay and that the vertigo would stop and it wasn't the end of the world anyway sort of thing. So I just became accustomed to it, I think. And by coming accustomed it meant I got less tension I suppose and less pressure mm -hmm. when it started you know I haven't had now an attack for I think once in three months sort of thing that's way that's I mean I was doing two a week yeah the, they, they were very uh, frequent yeah so there's a big difference between you know I can manage once once every three months or you know a couple of times a year that's fine you know so um so so I think that just strengthened me generally um mm -hmm. and then with um, all Joey's sort of support about the food that you know that I actually managed to let the food go and just start eating normally and that's yeah that's made a huge difference. Did you notice that impacted on your ability to enjoy playing tennis and socialize with people and get part of your normal life? Exactly. Yeah because you sort of you can't go and have dinner with somebody who hasn't you know then I start saying oh I can't eat that oh we could cut this bit off or you know it's just just ridiculous so um, I just feel normal again that's 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 what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's amazing. And so if you go back, so when you went through your initial hospital stay and then you came back home to Melbourne and you would have seen GPs, ear, nose yeah. and throat surgeon, you yeah. had yeah. MRI scans. I think you even saw specialist phys physiotherapists, which is always a good yeah. idea. And then after all of that, what made you think like I need more? Like what what was the feeling? Was it the fear of dizziness or the lack of control? What was what made you think I want to invest in my health? I want to learn more about neuroplasticity. Um, you're what right. I think it was like I've tried. It's that classic. I've tried everything bit, and and I was very unhappy, mm -hmm. uh, and I was and I was getting very thin. Mm -hmm. um, so so both things. I thought I have to do something. I can't just let my life go 
past me like that. So it was just I need I need something else, and um, that was when I looked more into what you were offering, and um, I thought this you know this might be worth a go. That's, <laughs> that's it. It was still not you know I wasn't confident. I was just still in a bad bad way, I guess, at the time that mm-hmm. I you know saw your your um, flag, Joey. So um, but it yeah. So it was just that to just think how can I not give it a go? Yeah. And you've got some notes down here of you said over the last six months, the difference for me has been enormous. I'm no longer scared of the dizziness and I accept that if and when the vertigo episodes happen, they are just due to the neuroplastics trying to improve my condition. And I thought that was a really beautiful statement because my, my interpretation of what you're meaning by saying that is that when symptoms do come and go, it's not like my ears are attacking me or it's not like I've done something wrong or there's shame or guilt around it. It's just, oh, my body's making a mistake and now I need to stay in bed yeah. and let the neuroplasticity heal it and then I'll be normal again. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really nice attitude to have because it may not ever come back. Let's face it, we can't predict the future. And if it does, you've now got all of your rock steady tools and exercises to help your balance system refine itself and, and yeah. recover. Yeah, that's right. That was actually one of my questions for you. How did you find using the, um, the videos, the audios, the computer aspect? Um, that, that was good. I, I, I liked that a lot. Um, there were, I like the, I've got some sort of favourite, um, what do you call them? Audios uh, or exercises, yep. which, which I liked anyway. That always sort of soothes you, sort of in a current position. Um, but the uh, another, and I was amazed too. I might look back on, you know, one of the modules and so on of, of um, mm-hmm. what's there of you know what's showing in the computer, and that that was um, it, it, it immediately oh, hard to describe. I suppose in like in uh, might be a particular um, module that I really enjoyed and so on, and discovered that when you come back to it, you know all the move, all the the thoughts about it would come back again. It was good, you know. So so even if I just felt a little bit sad, I could actually easily find some words, you know, that sort of said, "Oh, that made me feel better." So I suppose it's it's comfort and it's reassuring yeah. and it's also a memory jogger because yeah, exactly. we can learn about neuroplasticity and then very easily forget it. And then, yeah. and then you're back to where you started. Yeah, so that's right. Did you find that there were any times when you couldn't sleep or you're having a bad day and you could grab your iPad or your computer or something and just, and tap into that support? Yes, yes very much so. So, I, I mean, I've got mainly just piles of paper here and I'm not in a book so that I've scribbled down. And so I'll just start reading the scribbles again and it it already like makes me feel better so Mm. and that surprised me I must admit I didn't think that just reading Mm. a few more words would would make me feel that's as as good as I did you know and do that's the power of mindset and I think to a certain extent when we take responsibility personally for our mindset that's scary because it's like oh my god well I've got to shift things in the way I view things so it's it's actually stepping up and taking responsibility for am I hopeless right now yeah. or am I hopeful? Yeah. Can I do this or can't I do this? You know, will I try this or am I too stuck and rejecting it? Can mm. I love myself or am I rejecting myself? And those little shifts in perception are honestly gigantic. Mm, they are. And, and 
Yeah, and I think the the mindset element of neuroplasticity is incredibly undervalued and underestimated. Um, and so I was just jotting, looking down towards the end of your notes here, and you said, I feel confident now that I can manage any episodes that may or may not occur. I have, well, she said, you say, I accept my new body weight and that I'm actually in better shape than I realized. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you said, if I do feel miserable or, or, or unhappy, there are lots of support material provided that can help me get through that using the Rocksteady resources. Mm-hmm. And from the questionnaire, you started off with a perceived disability of 54%, which is significant. That means that 50, 54% of the time in functional, emotional or positional parts of life, mm-hmm. uh, you were feeling disabled or impacted because of your many years and your vertigo or tinnitus. And that's now reduced to 0%. So your perceived disability has completely resolved, which is amazing. It is amazing, yes. So I feel proud of that. <laughs> you should, and, and you, yeah, so well done. No, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. And in some ways for me, I'm not surprised by people's recoveries because I've seen it so much and all I do is I'm on the recovery side of the spectrum that I fully expect people to recover. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's a nice way to, for us to think about it you know, as well. Yeah. yeah, especially once we start to listen to our body. In fact, maybe that's how we could wrap up this call together is some of the feeling work, which can be a little different mm-hmm. and and going, okay, what's my body telling me? What's my body asking for? So that concept of learning to speak your own language mm-hmm. and to support yourself and be kind and to, and to explore this healing, yeah. how, how did you find that piece? And what does it mean to you to like lean in and to, to be warm and loving towards yourself? And, and, and is that, has that changed in the last six months? Um, yes, it- it has, and it's um, um, now I'm going to be caught how to describe it, but but it feels it's it's just because I've seen it. I, I do I guess like to see the evidence, and I can see the evidence myself of how I feel now compared with you know six months ago and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can feel that you know things aren't hopeless and so on. So it's a very uh, it's. Um, and I can yeah feel proud as I say that well somehow or other I don't quite know how but I've managed to stop some some of the vertigo attacks and all this sort of thing and so and yeah I, I can see that I've moved from a bad point to a to a good point and that's hmm. fantastic. Has it changed not in, not only the relationship to yourself in terms of removing all of that fear, but have you noticed any changes to your relationship to your partner or any of your family members or any of your tennis um, colleagues? Um, I think certainly my partner, yes, he, he's, you know, definitely understood, you know, what I need and is very sympathetic to it and helpful and, you know, just always trying to do the right thing. So that, that's been really nice as well. It sort of means you can be a bit closer rather than, mm-hmm. yeah, rather than just sort of stuck on your own and no, mm-hmm. you know, you've got nowhere to go. And, and others too. I think it was mainly, I suppose, within the family because I, don't, I don't want to go out all the time and sort of, you know, sort of not um, trying to explain how it works or yeah I think I think actually when it came to speaking publicly to people in um, 
out and about in life, or even if it was, let's say, playing tennis, didn't you say, oh, I felt really comfortable just being able to say, oh, I've got a bit of a migraine. Oh, yes, I've got right. to take it easy. And then people could understand that. And it yes. felt really nice yes. to have that so, clarity. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I, I played tennis because I actually also, I mean, I like playing tennis anyway, but I also found that I could play better tennis, probably enough, and, and table tennis. Yeah. Um, with, yeah, I just actually play better, hit the ball better and so on. I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty good. So many years is actually, you know, doing something for me. So that was that was great. Um, and, uh, yeah, so no, that was – then the other thing was, yes, as, as you said, was being able to say to people, oh, yes, I've just got – yeah, I've, I've got a migraine attack sort of thing. And, or, I, you know, I think I can tell it's coming on or whatever it is and people understand. And so – but I said to them all the other day in the um, – club in the, where the tennis club is and mm-hmm. I just said oh and they they were not sort of offering me cake and I said you can give me cake everyone else is eating cake I can have the cake too so they'd, they'd left me out and now suddenly I was an eater of cake as well no problems yeah. that's great yeah, I'm, ac- yeah. I'm actually writing a book at the moment on the process of healing for vertigo and tinnitus and the last chapter will be on that journey of actually re-educating people about what it means when you're normal. Yeah. Because, because sometimes we've, we've been the sick person for so long. Yeah. And we've been that person who's that vertigo or that tinnitus person. It's like, how do you yeah. actually return to normal so people treat you like you're normal again and you no yeah. longer have to talk about it or explain yourself and you can get back into yeah. full capacity and full creativity yeah. and break down all that, that old perception once you heal again. So that's, that's part of eating cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have you got any closing words for anyone listening? And with in particular, talking about just investing in yourself and you've, you've put in an hour probably every week, would you say? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. It's, it's about an hour a week. And would, did you stick to roughly 15 minutes a day of little practices or what did you find worked for you? Um, I think... No, just, yeah, I just do at different times. I think I'll go and look through that module now and so on. So I just do it at any time and try and be more regular with the exercises. But, um, but no, just I'd pick on particular days and then um, I'd have a conversation with you for an hour or something, which that always, that always worked wonders. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, no, it, was felt, it felt good because I could see something was happening. It wasn't like, oh, God, got to go to those, you know, some sort of stupid thing that doesn't work. It, this is, it was had clear, clear meanings sort of right from the beginning that this actually might, might actually do something that makes things better. You know? So that was, that's pretty rare, particularly mm. at like high age and so on as well, that things can come back from bad to better. It's, it's pretty, pretty rare. Well, actually, it's not rare, and I think that's a societal myth. And thank you for bringing it up. Bringing it up because when we were at our uni- when I was at my university studying my masters, we specifically were told to break that myth. You know, we can put a cochlear cochlear implant, which is basically yeah. brain surgery, inside an eighty year old's ear, yeah. and they can learn how to rehear sound. So neuroplasticity is absolutely happening every day of our lives until we die you never yeah. lose the capacity to learn and relearn yeah oh that's interesting then. yeah uh, so it's more becoming stuck in rigid thinking and telling yourself that well also i'm wondering if um i've tried hearing aids as well mm-hmm. because i've lost um 
quite a lot of hearing in my left ear. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, uh, but that one was has been no good. Like I've just tried it as a trial, but it doesn't feel any different than the other ears have been. So, mm. uh, um, but that's why I suppose you think, well, that's what you sort of can expect, or it's just going to be something like that that doesn't quite work. But it's it's been quite different than my, perhaps my expectations as well. Yeah, no, you've you've made amazing, slow and steady improvements, and I think the full credit to you is you backed yourself, you trusted yourself, and you tried. You genuinely made changes. You didn't yeah, talk about it. You didn't um, kind of give me lip service. You went home and did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so unless you've got any passing words to all the listeners. Well, I, I mean, I, well, you know, I just hope that if anyone else, you know, wants to give it a try or needs to give it a try, then I can thoroughly recommend it. I just, you know, it was I, I just got so much out of it. So I think it would be. Beautiful. Well, it's been such a joy for me to get to know you and work with you personally. Thank it's you. a treat. And I want to encourage anyone who is listening to this, no matter where you are in the world, visit seekingbalance.com.au. There are plenty of free resources that you can use right away. And I have a load of different offerings that you can try. If you're looking for support at home and really on your own terms, I think that's that's what I want everybody listening to find for themselves is how can you heal on your own terms and in your own time because it really is possible and making sure you're surrounded by the supports you need I think is so pivotal to your progress. So I want to say thank you so much to Alison. Yeah, thank you, Joey. All the best with your new lease on life. Thanks. And any time at all that you want to shoot me an email or give me a little update, I would love to hear what you get up to and any travel plans that you have now that you can take on the world. Okay. <laughs> and thanks again for your time. It's really brave to share your story and I've really appreciated it and I'm sure there are many people listening who have also got a lot out of this. So I want to say thank you. Thank you. And bye for now.